January 2009. Supposed to be a great month for us. We just found out that uh, that my beautiful wife was pregnant. And um, so this is the season you're supposed to get excited and be looking forward to everything that's to come. And, and we were, but it wasn't much longer after uh, we realized that she was pregnant, that her hyperemesis gravidarum set in. What in the world is that? You might say, you might say, right? We call it HG for short. Hyperemesis gravidarum, gravidarum is a, it's a pregnancy condition where uh, you get extremely nauseous. Uh, there's lots of vomiting on her worst day. She had vomited 21 times before 11 a.m. Uh, I mean, it was terrible. She would get dehydrated and, and well, the rest is history. But uh, it turns out that what would normally be this season of, of, of joy and expectation and celebration would look and feel very different to us. It would be a season where we would be in the hospital uh, several times for Sherilyn to be hydrated. Um, These months that people would check in on us just to find out how we were doing to make it through the day. How are you doing today? We'd say, you know what? We're doing okay. Uh, It's easy for me to say, the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, we're fine. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, you're good. Okay, she's good. No, in all seriousness, it was a big deal. Um, conversations with their OB was, she was just an overly sensitive woman who didn't know what it felt like to be pregnant. Female OB at that. But you know, there was a period where everyone around us, they were trying to encourage us and they would just say, just keep looking to the second trimester. It'll all stop. And her mom wrestled with it, so we, uh, we didn't quite think it would stop. But So we did. We kind of counted down the days. We really didn't even have to, I don't think, because people were sending us texts like, nine days left. I'm like, well, that's precise. You know, four days left. And we counted down. And then the ticker ran through, and we started counting up. One day, two days, four days, eight days, 18 days. No, we just quit counting after a while. The sickness didn't end. The morning sickness didn't end. But it wasn't morning sickness. It was all day and all night sickness. Her HG was was here to stay. All the, the, the cute photo ops that you do during pregnancy, you know, the cute belly pictures and all those sort of things, we sort of forced into the rhythm a bit. Because we knew we wanted the photos. We, we knew we wanted to commemorate that season. Even photos of her laying on the couch and, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the syringe from the medicine that she had and the IV bags. And that was part of the story of God's work in our life in that season as well. There was another girl who, who knew something of needing to take it one day at a time with a pregnancy that was anything but what every girl dreams about. People whispering about you, people talking about you, a virgin with child. What are you talking about? You kidding me? Her name was Mary, of course, and she gave birth to Jesus, the long awaited savior. But what of this idea that God, uh, that Jesus is God with us? If you think about it, right? In reality, it seems like the kind of thing that trivia games are made of. 
you know, there's a, there's a definition and a question, but does it really affect us in the day to day? Does it, does it really matter as, as we're living our, our lives? Is it significant for us? Well, it's very real and it's massively significant for each and every one of us in this room. What we learn is that, that as Jesus, Emmanuel, Jesus is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Jesus, the God who is with us, he he makes and he keeps his promises. And in so doing that, he reveals his character to us. Right? God, God made a promise in the Old Testament. You may have heard this read before, Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, <clears throat> pardon me if I sound like a 13-year-old a couple times tonight. Behold, sorry, 13-year-olds. Uh, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. The same promise is quoted a couple more times in the next couple chapters in Isaiah. And then Matthew pulls it in, in uh, Matthew 1, 22 and 23 where he says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God fulfilled the promise of Isaiah 7:14 in every possible way. Mary was a teenage girl who conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. She gave birth to a son who was given to us. Jesus was never created. He was, he was given to us. He's always existed. And then Joseph and Mary named him Jesus uh, as the angel had said. Think about that name for a moment. Emmanuel uh, describes who he is and his purpose and his, his character. And Jesus means the Lord saves or Yeshua saves. And as the fulfillment of God's promises, Jesus is God in human form. He, he's the invisible, I'm sorry, theology check here. He's the visible manifestation of the invisible God, the exact imprint of his being. And so if we're to know God through Jesus, then seeing God's character accurately, truthfully is crucial for how we will respond to him. Because God is a God who came to us so that we would come to him. But God initiated in that process. And so we need to know him rightly. We need to, we need to believe what the Bible says about who Jesus is. Friends, take this to heart. God proves his reliability, his trustworthiness when he perfectly keeps every promise. We, we've heard the expression... Talk is cheap or actions speak louder than words. Well, Jesus, God, the father, Holy spirit throughout the old Testament made some massive promises and they've kept everyone that's to be kept by this date. If you will, every promise second, Jesus, the God who is with us identifies with sinful people showing his love. I'm going to tell you, I love this. I might just preach for a long time on this one point because I'm a pastor. I'm a man who, who, is sinful and I need a savior. I needed him for salvation first and foremost. I still need him today. And I will until the day that, that God takes me home. Let me show you a few ways where Jesus identifies with sinful people showing his love. Number one, he was baptized. Now think about that. Uh, I'm not going to speak on baptism too long, but 
Baptism is a picture of being buried in Christ, being dead with Christ, and then being raised again in newness of life to be able to, to uh, describe what's happened internally in our hearts. Why would Jesus be baptized? In fact, his friends were trying to talk him out of it. His friend John says, uh, I'm going to paraphrase pretty loosely here, but he says, what are you doing? You don't need to be baptized. You're the one that should be baptizing us. He says, I need to, to fulfill the scriptures. I need to because, because it's, it's a right step of doing everything right perfectly that I'm supposed to. God's been relational from the very beginning. Uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have a perfect communal friendship relationship just within themselves, but they extend that out to the whole world in love and by demonstrating who they are to us. And so Jesus's earthly demonstration uh, in his ministry shows his dependence on the Father and on his word, on the Bible. Now just think about that for a minute. God came to earth to live. And God needed God because they're in perfect relationship. And so when Jesus went through temptation, like, like you and I face, in fact, I would go so far as to say greater, stronger temptation than you and I face. That's not to minimize anyone's temptation, but this is pretty severe stuff. He fasted for 40 days before he was tempted. And, and as he was tempted, he withstood temptation by remembering and actively applying God's word. The Bible, which actually then would have been the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in fact, when he's tempted, he quotes from Deuteronomy several times, right? So it's not this thing where like the Old Testament is not applicable to us anymore. If Jesus used it, we can use it. We learn a lot for it. Often Jesus got up and he, and he snuck away early so that he could spend time with the father. The crowds would be, they're always pressing in when you're healing people and you're showing great things and doing many wonders. People press in a lot of needs. How can I get away? He knew he needed to get away because he knew he needed to spend time with the father. His teaching ministries, his healing ministry showed his divine nature, his, his divine power doing only what God, the father told him to do and doing it all. He taught his authority. I'm sorry. He taught as one who had authority. Why? Because he has authority. And he healed many because he empathizes with our humanity. The sin in our world, which is, if you think in archery terms, right? If you just draw back and you release that, if you miss the center of the center of the bullseye, in God's eyes, it's, it's imperfect. It's sin. We think, oh, it's not that bad. In God's economy, it's, it's sin. It's, it's going against God. But even with all the needs, all the healing that's needed, which is all in some level a result of sin, his humanity draws our attention to his divine power and faithful love. Toward the end of his earthly ministry, right before he would go to the cross, he even invited his friends to be part of some of the most intense ministry that he had. And the third way we see uh, some incredible truths about his earthly ministry is that because we're all sinful people, he must identify with us through our sin at the cross. God 
with us at Calvary on the cross. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake the Father made Jesus to be sin who never knew any sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. We might be able to do everything right when we have a relationship with God. Friends, you and I would never go to God. We would never come to God on our own. So God initiated and came to us. Think about that reality for a minute. You know, you're in a conflict, right? And it's easy to kind of be in a stalemate and just kind of sit back and just be like, I'm waiting for him. He's got to take the first move. Jesus took the first move. He always takes the first move every time. Lastly, Jesus, the God who is with us, is always with us. He is faithful. He'll never leave. We've had parents that have left. We've had uh, spouses that maybe have left. All kinds of difficult situations in our life. Uh, Not even necessarily in bad terms, but we move from place to place at times. Jesus never leaves. Jesus never leaves. He offers, he gives us personal rest for our souls when we come to him. And when we trust him to save us from a very real penalty for our very real and personal sin. When he gave the church her mission and what we call the great commission in the end of the book of Matthew, he says this phrase at the end in verse 20, he says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Practically speaking, what did that look like? He left He gave his life on the cross. He rose from the grave, came back and he walked on the earth for a while. And then he ascended and he went into heaven. The disciples are like, wait, what are you doing? I thought you were here for the long haul. He says, I am, but I need to leave so that you can have the Holy Spirit. You'll be able to do more with him than you will with me. Again, pretty loosely paraphrased there. He fulfills his promises. He comes to sinners in need and he faithfully stays. God gave himself to be with us. And now through the Holy Spirit within us, no longer just walking alongside and teaching, but living in us, setting up residence so that we can have his power, his ability to do that, which is right. And so we have real and eternal fellowship or companionship or friendship, righteousness and power to live as men and women whose souls are at rest when trusting in Jesus. We're we're freed to live our lives entirely for the praise of God, the glory of God. Uh, You may have noticed a few minutes ago that Sherilyn and I have two sons. And you may be wondering, well, how'd the second one go? Same or worse? We were more uh, aggressive in how we handled it, but it was a tough one again. This time when I was working, you know, we'd take care of Sherilyn and I'd, when I was working, I'd be at work. And so Braden, who was about two and a half, would be shuttled around from caretaker to caretaker. My sister and a handful of ladies in our church out in New Jersey who just loved and served us so graciously. I got to tell you, it was really hard to put him in that car seat and say goodbye to him again. In fact, we stopped that at one point when I had to use, uh, I, I had used all of the physical pressure I could responsibly take to get him in a car seat. And he was done. Wasn't having it anymore. Oh, wouldn't that be our heart to say, no, 
Father, I need to be with you. God, I, I, I need you. I don't want to be pushed away by my sin. I don't want to be held back by my sin. I need my father in heaven who came for me, who gave his life for me, who demonstrated his love for me by laying down his own life for this jerk. Because he has love that is far greater than we can ever know. In that season, there were times when we, we really wrestled the bottom half of our fridge or bottom third of our fridge. We had uh, anti-nausea meds and a lot of saline solution IV bags. Had the IV hanger thing in the bedroom for when she slept at night. And uh, most of the, much of that pregnancy, she would be laying on the couch if we weren't in the hospital. And, and there were times we would just filled with depression and discouragement and frustration and asking them all the why questions. But God would draw us Jesus, Emmanuel, the God who is with us and now within us would draw us like a magnet to the Father saying, come to me, come on, pour it out. Lay it out. Don't hold it. Don't manage it. Lay it all out. And we would just come to the Lord at times just weeping. And the prayer we prayed, we did pray, Lord, would you take this away? Would you heal her? Nothing wrong with that prayer at all. But we would say, God, please sustain us. Please help us make it through this. And you know what? He did. We made it. And even as we share this story, I know some of you have dealt or are dealing with things that are even far greater than that struggle. I I know that. I'm not blind to that. You know, I've used the word us. That's implicit in the name Emmanuel, right? God with us. Well, it's fair to ask, well, who's us? Who are we? Who is the us that Jesus has come to. And maybe I'll ask you that question tonight. As I say, God with us, are you, are you one who says, yes, I am, I am part of, of, of us. I've acknowledged that I, I can't do enough good to outweigh the bad. I'm not going to work my way to heaven. No good deed is going to get it done. No accumulation of good deeds are going to get it done. And maybe at some point you prayed a prayer or you, you told the Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I agree with you. And you promised to save me if I call out to you. Well, here I am. I'm calling out. Jesus, save me. Come rule my heart. And if that was you and that was genuine, you're part of us. But us doesn't automatically refer to the whole world. Because God says, that we need to, we need to, we need to repent. We need to, we need to make a 180. It's sort of like dethroning yourself. If you've got a, 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 um, a throne on your heart, kind of just kick yourself to the curb and say, I need Jesus to sit on that throne in my heart. I need Jesus to give me new desires. I need Jesus to transform me. I need Jesus to give me new want tos. 
We need to lay down the heavy burden our sin brings. We need to call on God to save you and make you new. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight. It'll be the best first Christmas you've ever known in this way. The gifts will feel different. Your interactions with family will be all transformed with friends. God will give you new desires you didn't even know were possible. But he will. Why? Because he keeps every promise that he makes. He came to be with sinners like you and like me. And he's faithful. He's with us and he's within us. So join us in this walk of faith if that's you tonight. We invite you. More importantly, the Lord invites you. Christian, have you, have you laid down the tool belt of the walk of faith? All of the resources God has given you to be able to walk in faith. Maybe tonight you need to pick that up again. It's not the tool bag with all the, the, the self-helps, all of the, 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 the rugged determination, all the, the straps, right? Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. No, it's a, it's a tool bag of faith. It's a tool bag of humility. It's a tool bag of, of recognizing you have the, 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 pursuing the right needs that God's created you for. Time with the Father in his word, with the Holy Spirit. Time living life with God's imperfect people in the church. That's what God calls us to. Just think about it. When Jesus called his friends to be a part of this uh, aspect of his ministry, they slept. So let me just tell you, the church does not have it all figured out. We're going to sleep on each other sometimes. We're going to mess up. But God's gracious and he forgives us. And we learn in that process as well. In closing, I just want to ask, in what senses do you recognize or acknowledge or maybe you might say feel the Lord's name, Emmanuel, God who is with us? Is it when we're singing praise songs to the Lord or when you're reading your Bible or when you're serving someone else, someone else or reading, reading the Bible and praying? This Christmas is a good opportunity for each of us to cultivate this blessing of being with Jesus. The God who is with us and within you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have given us so many great and wonderful promises. And Father, I pray that you would help us to, to, to do what we're able to, to understand them, to take you at your word, that you love us, you love you love sinners and you gave your life for sinners and that when we will follow you, follow you according to the word, you will make us new when we, we turn from ourselves and we come to you. So maybe, Lord, just even collectively tonight, we would just say, Lord, help us. Make us new or, or renew or revive our faith. Help us to walk with you. And may this Christmas be a true, joyous celebration that you left your heavenly home to come be with us and then within us through the Spirit of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.